Previously on Funny Science Fiction. There was that day, right behind Bill. I'm going to try to find the seam between real hair begins and where and where that fabulous piece he's wearing starts. <laughs> Hello, my name is Jim Brophy, and you're listening to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. The podcast that reminds you, don't blink, don't forget, don't breathe, don't think, and to just call the doctor. Today's guest has been in all six of the Lord of the Rings movies, themed movies, so both the Hobbit movies and uh, trilogy and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, you may know him best as his character Nori, the kleptomaniac dwarf, but uh, you may also know him from King Kong, District 9, the Shannara Chronicles, among other things that he has been participating in. So glad to have you here, Jed. Thank you. It's my, it's my pleasure to be on your show. I've heard so much about it. Mostly good. Well, that's good. Wow. It's getting all the way to New Zealand. That's scary. Okay. Yeah. We mentioned some of the things in that, in that little introduction. We mentioned some of the things that you've been a part of. Um, now, a couple of these, these uh, universes that you've been part of, the, the Lord of the Rings universe, the, the King Kong storyline, are, are pretty big storylines. And, and, you know, they have a, a lot of lore around them and a lot of history and, and large fan bases. Perhaps you could share with us what it was like for you to step into such a high-profile movie roles uh, with an extremely popular and varied universes. Well, I grew up um, on a sheep farm um, in this country, and I read a lot of books, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit being two of them. And um, I'd seen an early version of King Kong, obviously, at the movies myself. I'm just lucky that I grew up in the country that Peter Jackson decided to make films. And that I'd done movies with him early on in his career, so you know he already knew me. Um, there's a lot of fortune in our in our industry in terms of being Johnny on the spot, and I just you know I feel very lucky that I was here when he made both those projects and that I'd worked with him previously. But yeah, it's um it it was I, I know that for all of us working on Lord of the Rings, it was a bit daunting knowing how big the fan base was and how vociferous they were in terms of their opinions and their readership. And wanted to get it right and um we're pretty pleased with the outcome <laughs> i was so <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> they are my top favorite movies yeah i uh i remember when the extended versions came out <laughs> and the originals were yeah. already kind of long and then you know the extended versions came out my wife was like you're gonna watch those i'm like you bet your sweet bottom dollar i am <laughs> I couldn't watch them fast enough. <laughs> All I will sit here even day. though my butt is numb and I will continue watching them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So as you've mentioned, there's almost always a difference between the books and the film. How did you feel about the changing of the last movie of The Hobbit kind of shifting away from Tolkien's original vision? Yeah, I have to be careful what I say because I'm very proud of the work that we did. But it did feel like the dwarves busted out of, um, you know, er Erebor and then most of us kind of took a seat and had a cup of tea while <laughs> Thorin and Philly and Kelly and Dwalin and Balin did all the fighting. It, but we just, we sort of just ran out of time, I think. I think Pete always yeah. imagined that we might come back and, and like with Lord of the Rings, maybe be able to pick up some of that stuff. But, you know, we just, we just, uh, we're trying to cram too much in there at the end. Maybe that is, I'm not really sure of, of why that was, but yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a purist. Like a lot of people, I, I would have preferred myself if it had kind of just been 13 dwarves and a wizard and a hobbit bumbling their way through Middle Earth, <laughs> trying to get to a place. 
and then having a bit of a fight at the end of it. Um, but it became a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's one thing to be a fan. It's, it's another thing to be uh, a part of that universe. And I think that allows you to have opinions on both sides. You know, you're, you're in a unique position that most fans uh, don't get to be part of. You get to have an opinion as a, as a working actor who was part of it. And then you get to have a, a, an opinion as a fan expressing their 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 fans viewpoint so i think that's a really cool place to be yeah it's um yeah it's all it's all very well to have an opinion but it's just my opinion um sure. you know i love i love i've loved everything that's in the books and for me one of the things about the original three films lord of the rings was no scarring of the shire i found that very difficult to to um to get my head around not having but you just can't you know as as they say if peter has his own version it will be 85.5 days long you, you can't have everything. Right, yeah. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. We should have a vision that is 85.5 days long to watch. Um, that would be great. <laughs> and, and those of us that love the films, we would happily do it. I would but do it. For, yeah. But for studios, you know, they can't. They can't envisage um, the, the fan base really wanting that, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, I have to remember, too, those, each of those books were, were so big. And trying yeah. to get all those conversations and all the parts that that were crucial to the storylines into the movies and, and like you said there was a lot to cram in there and so i it think was. he i think he did a wonderful job Me with too. with what he was trying to accomplish and what he was trying to add and, and deliver to the fan base so i think that's amazing and from some yeah. extent to some extent tolkien overwrote everything i mean he he put excruciating amounts of details into things and you can't add all of that detail and i mean even when they pulled from the sumerian it's it's impossible to get all of his details he wrote an entire language he created an entire world things are gonna have to give yeah it wasn't just that he was taught he wouldn't tell you that something was blue he would tell you what shade of blue what what angle the sun was at when when he found out it was blue uh you know all these all these different things so there was a lot to pull from it was it does amazing things for your imagination though, that kind of writing it means it, that when you've got a picture in your head you're really creating a very vivid landscape what i think that peter did really well was put well he and andrew lesney the cinematographer especially was put those colors and that look on the screen in a way that actually satisfied the majority of people mm-hmm. yeah yeah so you've said that you've I mean, obviously you worked with Peter Jackson a lot on the the six Hobbit or six Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies and at least seven movies with Peter Jackson. Yeah. If In not Kong, more, I mean, I'm sure there's more. Yeah. Um, but Peter, like you've talked about, is known for his vision and expressing that visually in films. So what is it like to work with him on set? And do you have a favorite memory of him that you could share with us? I have a few favorite memories, really. I think the first film I did for him was a zombie movie called Brain Dead, and just watching his inventiveness, coming up with ways of shooting stuff practically, because there wasn't any special, there wasn't any computer-generated effects in New Zealand at that time. Um, and, and if they were, they certainly went up to the standard where you want to have it on screen in a big film. Um, so watching his inventiveness and his creativity and his organic nature of directing, where he sees something and then is able to tweak it to ramp it up to something that actually starts to really harm. Um, 
that hadn't really changed between doing that film back in 1991, 92, and working on Lord of the Rings in you know, 2000, 2001, 1999 onwards. He'd still retained that same enthusiasm for making pictures, his same energy and his same inventiveness. So yeah, you know, I, all, all, every day at work with Peter is fantastic. I, I'd, I'd work for him for nothing, but don't tell him that. <laughs> we will ask this not to be shared with peter jackson anybody listening please do not share this with peter jackson jed needs another paycheck we need to make sure that happens I yeah i mean he he's a genius and his true genius is surrounding himself with other people who are equally um adept at, at creating amazing visions for people and are passionate about stories and and um and making them as visually entertaining but also having that kind of dramatic substance as well so he surrounds himself with good people. Yeah, I think one of the great things about anybody who's um, can be seen as a storyteller is their world building. Mm -hmm. And I view Peter Jackson as a storyteller. He's somebody yeah. when he when he lays out, even if it's clearly somebody else's story, like like you know the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, or you go to the story like King Kong, where that's that story originated with somebody else, but now he's taken it. And he has built this beautiful imaginative world around it where you see everything going on. Um, you know, it, it's, it's amazing what he's been able to do. And I, I find that very fascinating personally. Yeah. He's a, he's a fan. I mean, he's always said, and you know, I'm, I'm quoting his own quote that he makes films that he would like to watch. And, and he was a very passionate film watcher as a young man. And so, you know, wanting to make King Kong, I think he made his own version you know, a short film, aged 11. He's always wanted to make that film. He's been living with that story since he was a young man. And it's the same for me. I, I grew up seeing, you know, Western landscapes and, and fantasy landscapes on the farm. That was my kind of, I was riding around on a horse pretending that I was all of those fabulous, um, you know, famous people from legend. And I think that in this industry and want to do fantasy, you have to have that as your route. You have to have a passion for it to begin with. Absolutely. So yeah. speaking of, of having a passion, we have a, a fan base that, that follows us and is part of our, um, our Facebook group, which just hit 117,000 members. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really growing. It's, it's taken off just fantastically over the last year. And, and uh, one of one of our uh, page followers has a question for you. His name is John Drake. Yep. John John Drake asked us to ask you. He said, "I've just started reading The Hobbit to my six year old boy. What accent? What accent should I give to Nori?" Well, in the movie, I played him he's from kind of Berkshire, South London, kind of talks to me a bit like that. Like take Adam Brown's accent and then just kind of make it a bit more London. All right, there you go. John, if you're watching this, hopefully you are, you'll have heard the fact that you need to give him an Adam Brown accent with a little bit of South London. There you go. Oh. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's a bit more dodgy than Ori. Uh, we, you froze up at, uh, he's a bit more dodgy than Ori. That's right. That's, that's all I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're done there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it is. All right. It's kind of a, a universal fact that when you're filming a movie and you're on set or on location for days, weeks, long hours, that funny things happen that you don't get to see in the movie. And I mean, I know that there are backstories of things that happened with Viggo Mortensen during Lord of the Rings, whether it was him and Orlando Bloom not being able to keep up 
speed correctly or when Vigo broke his toe. But what was one of your favorite or your funniest memories of working with the cast and crew of either The Hobbit or of Lord of the Rings? Oh, look, you know, we probably on The Hobbit, I would say we had Martin Freeman, who was like a walking prankster. He, he kept us entertained and he wasn't the only one we had. We were lucky enough to have, you know, the, the fabulous comedian Billy Connolly there who would regale us with stories at lunchtime. And I do remember one day with Martin, Billy Connolly and Stephen Fry all sitting around the table telling jokes. We just didn't want to go back to work. We didn't care about The Hobbit anymore. We just wanted to sit around the table hearing those three make us laugh. Oh my um, Martin, Martin was an exceptionally good um, table tennis player and uh, Mark Hadler and I would play him and, um, and various stunties would play him. And Martin always seemed like he wasn't a great player, but actually it turned out that he could have represented his country. He was that good. So he was a bit of a table tennis shark and would um, lose outrageously. And then just before the take, before they wanted him on set, he would just thrash everyone. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of, in terms of, um, things that happened to me, I had a seven and a half hour makeup as Shaku. And one of the makeup artists, which I've, I've since found out who it was, but I won't name him here. His name is Dan something. He wrote, I love Vigo on my butt cheeks and then took a photo and gave Vigo <laughs> that photo. So legend has it. Um, so yeah, because I, cause I, cause we would all just, we all loved working with Vigo so much. We would come in and say, Oh, Vigo's so cool. You know, Vigo's amazing. And we love Vigo. <laughs> And I think that people just got, people got sick of hearing it. So um, it's the only time I ever went to sleep was that day. Never would I ever do that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was funny. <laughs> you can only imagine how much time would go into all of the, the dwarf's hair and makeup and yeah because there's a couple that it's like you you see them out of makeup and you're like oh that's not at all what i thought that person looked like no <laughs> yeah it was it was about it was about four hours altogether probably three and a half you know there'd be an hour and a half of the prosthetic which was a, a forehead and a nose and the ears and a big kind of head to make her head look bigger but then there was probably about an hour and a half of wiggage and beardage um mostly yak hair i think there's a yak somewhere in eastern mongolia who's not that happy that he's in the movie industry but um, a little, a little cold. for us he's <laughs> <laughs> a little cold yeah <laughs> they so, tell me i'm in the hobbit but i funny science fiction will be right back after a word from our sponsors and now back to funny science fiction so so speaking of of uh your makeup and prosthetics and, and all that stuff so uh, clearly lord of the rings the hobbit even the shannara chronicles you appear in heavy makeup full costume you know all that kind of stuff clearly uh to be able to play these these roles um but yeah you know some actors have difficulty with with doing that whether it's they break out there's uh skin issues you know uh, other things along those lines um but you seem to in I'm going to assume that you enjoy playing those types of roles for uh, getting into the, the the deep dive of the characters, or is it just, hey, this is a, this is the job and this is what I'm going to do? It started out as that, you know. I when they said they were casting Lord of the Rings, I imagined myself as you know Aragorn or Faramir or someone fabulous like that. But I'd already done prosthetics in both Braindead and Heavenly Creatures, and and I know that we had a workshop 
Richard Taylor especially and Peter, were looking for people that could come through the prosthetic and actually create a character that was three-dimensional and interesting. And so there was a couple of go-to people, myself and Stephen Ewer, who'd done it before. And it is hard it is hard to say to people, no, I don't want to do prosthetics anymore because it is a challenge and I do enjoy mm-hmm. it. But you have to tell people that you're in it. People don't recognize you in the street. And I think that's the key. I quite like my anonymity and I quite like the fact that I don't necessarily get um, overexposed or that well-known. I, I live in a small community and you know, I like being able to walk around and just be normal. And it is a challenge. I, the the five-hour makeup, it's not great. You know, Getting up at two in the morning isn't the most fun. But to be able to bring something that is that heavily made up um, and have that kind of subtlety that you can bring to it, it is a real challenge, and I'm, I'm up for the challenge. I do a lot of acting where I'm not in prosthetics as well, but, but those are the big ones. You know, Those are the ones that people know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you played quite a few characters in The Lord of the Rings from a Ro- uh, Ro- Rohirrim? Rohirrim writer. Rohirrim. Uh, you played one of the elves. Uh, Snaga, Shaku, Sharku, and Inspection Orc, and one of the Nazgul, and yeah. then in The Hobbit you played Nori. So which one was your favorite to play, or which? It's tricky. Yeah, I, I love them all. I, I think probably Nori because I got to be part of the company. That was mm-hmm. that was special being part of the group of um, dwarves that is named in the book who got to go on the journey. That was. That's a hard thing to beat. You know, when you grow up reading something that is one of your favorite books and then you get to be one of those characters, that's the gift. That's the gift that the actor is looking for, I think. Um, I'm sure that the characters from Harry Potter kind of feel the same. You know, when you're playing those central characters, even if it's a small part, the fact that you're actually one of the people who goes on that journey and gets to be, have that camaraderie with people, that stays with you. I mean, all of us that play the dwarves, we still stay in touch. Um, we, we stay in touch with Ian and we stay in touch with Martin as much as we can. Um, those friendships are lifelong. And, and I think it is a job, you know, being an actor. You want it to be enjoyable. I enjoyed all of the parts in Lord of the Rings equally. I think the hardest job was being in Uzgul. with seven layers of cloth that we wore with a big prosthetic hump. And we shot in the summer. It was very hot with um, that mm. layers of black. And we were galloping at full speed with very little vision. So it was very dangerous. Very exciting, um, but also quite a difficult gig. I <laughs> like couldn't it. see. <laughs> that sounds like quite yeah. the challenge. <laughs> yeah, the, the horses did an amazing job. You know, the, the, I bought one of the Rohan horses at the end of filming, and he's he's a great. He's twenty four now. He's one of the last remaining Rohan horses. They were such characters, and they didn't they don't get talked about that much. But they really are the heroes of the films. They didn't get to go to catering with us. They didn't get drivers. Um, you know, they, they didn't have people doing their own makeup. They kind of looked after themselves, but they were brilliant characters in the films. What was the name of your horse? His name is Seb, and his racing name is Frodo, funnily enough. Um, in between principal photography and reshoots, guy Carl, Carl Taylor, who rode him on set before I bought him, he, um, he raced him as Frodo. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> but That's... Unless he was chasing orcs, he didn't go very fast. I'm so glad to know that he gets a, a happy life after filming too. To know that he's yeah. he's yours. That's so exciting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the paddock where we shot the mummicles, we shot a whole lot of reshoots in Kiwi 2 Park and we shot the mummicles getting shot and coming down there, the big elephants. He's still in that paddock. He, uh, so he's living in one of the paddocks that we shot the film in, which is, I think is also cool. Yeah, it is. It is neat. Awesome. Yeah. So obviously Tolkien's writing is near and dear to your heart. It but- is. Is there something else, sci-fi, book, podcast, movie, or franchise that's your favorite? And it's okay if you say this podcast is your favorite. We're, we're totally fine with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, this, there's, this, um, there's this podcast called the Funny Sci-Fi Fantasy Podcast. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've got that wrong now that I've said it for a second time. <laughs> but um, those guys are really good. It's my favorite podcast. But I think one of my favorite book series is actually by uh, a writer called Raymond E. Feast. Who wrote the Magician and the um, the Rift War saga? And I really, really like his work. I'm not sure if they'll ever, if he'll ever allow anyone to make it into a series. But it's um, like Tolkien; it's a very imaginative world. And he sort of, you know, a lot of those writers pay tribute to Tolkien being the, the Godfather or the Grandfather. And he's that without Tolkien's work, he probably wouldn't have become a fantasy of his work. So there's a lot of fantasy books that I would, you know, I could have visited to be made into into films, which I'd like to be a part of. Anyone's listening. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. So yeah. oft, oftentimes the funny of things, because we have a Facebook group called the Funny Science Fiction. Um, yeah. And it's basically filled with just memes, memes for days and the funny usually comes from a mix between this universe and this universe or a cross yeah. between two elements. If you were to play Nori in another nerdiverse, which universe would you like to see Nori played in? I think, you know, I think he'd be a wonderful um, uh, addition to the X-Men. Um, that hair, you can just, if that hair was sharpened, he could do a lot of damage. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and, yeah. and dwarves, are, dwarves, are, dwarves are small, you know, one of those, you know, like Wolverine could probably carry Nori under his arm and literally launch him um, uh, to, to towards the enemy. And he's a thief, you know, he could probably break into places and do a bit of, um, you know, breaking into some, some, some places that they need to get into. I know Ant-Man's pretty good as a thief too, but I think Nori would give him a run for his money. Use his hair to pick locks. <laughs> uses here to pick locks uses good looks to you know to 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 hoodwink people yeah he'd be really useful because dwarves are vicious (laughs) (laughs) you've you've got the beast you've got wolverine you've got two characters with really cool hair why not a third totally things things are better in threes yeah that's that's what i hear things are better in threes so, all right. <laughs> so, Jed, we've come to a portion of our show where we like to play a, a, a little bit of a quiz, a little bit of a game show with our okay. with our guests, and we're hoping that you'll play along with us. So, there'll be a total of five questions. They're all Lord of the Rings based. I certainly will. Okay. Yep. Um, if you yep. get three questions correct, we'd like to send you one of these I gave to the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans mugs. Okay? Fantastic. If you get if you get four questions correct, we'd like to send you this book. If I back it up enough, you actually get to see it. Uh, it's called Custodians of the Cosmos, and it's written by Drayton Allen. Yeah, 
Uh, it's it's about excellent. Uh, it's about a young man who wanted to join Starfleet and the Star Trek universe, but didn't quite make it. So he joined as a custodian, and he now boldly cleans up after those who boldly just went. Um, and so there's Brilliant. a whole story. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. So that's if you get and if you get four correct, we'll send you the mug and the book. Uh, however, there has to be some kind of consequence if there's a chance for you to get good things. We like to call it a fun sequence. If you don't get uh, at least three questions correct, we'd like to take your picture and make a meme out of you and throw it onto our Facebook group. Would that be okay if you if we get to that point? Absolutely. All right. Thank very well. Fine. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We're going to let uh, Nick and Kathleen quiz you. I just realized I don't know which series this question comes from. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, thanks. That's a, that's a good stat. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but yeah, we'll go with it. How many <laughs> hobbits initially set out from the Shire? Was it two, three, four, or five? Two. Sam and Frodo. Yes. Very good. Question two. Who rides ahead with Frodo to Rivendell after he is stabbed with a sword at Weathertop? Is it Arwen, Aragorn, Eowyn, or Gandalf? It's Arwen, mother of Eldarion, played by my son. Oh, really? Hey. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That's cool. Interesting. That's a little, little bit of, of uh, nerd knowledge we did not have before today. <laughs> There you go. Were you, you go. The, were you one of the Nazgul chasing them down? I was. Yeah. Well, that's cool. <laughs> the, the, the deal was if we touched the white horse, we got a dozen of beers. So we really try to touch the horse, not get Frodo. <laughs> <don't tell> <laughs> <why I'm at. laughs> beers are always important. I get you. That's right. Especially in Middle Earth. There you go. <laughs> All right. Two for two. What is the name of the volcano that the ring is thrown into? Is it Osgil Osgiliath? You want to just do this one, Tim? <laughs> you might just have to do the answers Os for him. Osgiliath, Kurith Ungol, Minas Tirith, or Baradur? Say the second one again. Kirith Ungol, Minas Tirith, uh, Osgiliath, or Baradur? I'd have to say Baradur, although I think it had a different name, didn't it? It is Baradur. Uh, yeah. So I think in the, I think it's just, I think it's only a reference as Baradur a couple of times. It's just because they always just say that they're taking it to Mordor. So, that's right. Yeah. There you go. So, so good on you for getting it. That's three for three. <laughs> you get yourself a mug, sir. Yay. Question four. What race did the Nazgul used to be? Hobbits, dwarves, elves, or men? <laughs> they used to be men. They used to be men. They were the kings. Some of them the new Minorian kings, in fact. Um, so yeah, they were they were the, the kings of men. And then they they were, you know, subverted by the rings that they were given, made by Selim Selim Brimble, and um, controlled by the one ring that the Maya turned evil person Sauron. There you um, go. Head. Well, you're four for four, so that means we send you both of these. There we go. Fantastic. The Lord of the Rings nerdery is strong with him. I love it. <laughs> All right, so this one, we, 
So the fifth question is just like, as we like to call it, just for funsies. Go ahead, Nick. <laughs> How many Nazgul are there? Seven, eight, ten, or nine? There are nine. Although in the film, there were 14 of us playing nine. But yeah, there were nine. Yeah. They called the nine in the film, actually. Yes, they are. And the Nazgul, the, the Black Riders, the nine. Yeah, I actually played one of the Nazgul on the Fell Beast as well. When the Fell Beast is looking for Frodo, Sam, and Gollum going through the dead marshes, the first time you see the big Fell oh, okay. Beast with the Nazgul on, that's actually me. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. cool. Yeah, I right. flying. More nerd knowledge right we did not have before snakes, today. Dude. I like yeah. this. Nerd knowledge. We like nerd knowledge. Yeah. It's My mother-in-law cannot watch the, the fell beasts. They scare her so much. <laughs> she looks away every time. Like she hears the <laughs> shriek even. And she's like, no, I'm done. <laughs> All right, sir. Nerd knowledge. Yeah, go for you, it. You might not have known is that the shrieking, the shrieking voices are all done by Fran Walsh. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the Nazgul were voiced by her. I did not. That's cool. That is yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> You're three for three on, on, on the nerd knowledge here today, Jed. This is much appreciated. I, I was really hoping you were. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and you went five you went five for five on the questions three for three on the nerd knowledge you're just you're racking them up over here today sir i'm i'm knocking it out of the park yes you are yes you are <laughs> well jed thank you so much for being on the show today where can people go to find out more about all your previous acting work and what you're working on now i don't really i don't really uh I, I guess I, I, when I'm working on something, I, I post on Twitter at Brophy Jed, and I've got an Instagram account, Jedi Brophy. Um, IMBD, you can always look up there and, and see what work I've done and what work's coming up. But yeah, I must, I must get on to, I have a website, but I haven't really done anything with it, but I must get onto that. I'm just a bit slack, as most Kiwis are, at promoting ourselves. <laughs> um, but certainly, I'm I'm actually flying away today to um, shoot a trailer for a, a, a film. It's made by the same director as a movie called Blue Moon that I did with Mark Hadlow in 2018, which you can get on Vimeo on demand, iTunes or Amazon Prime. Blue Moon it is, and it's a little film that we made um, back in 2018 after we'd worked on The Hobbit together. We decided we'd like to do a movie and. A guy called Steph Harris, um, who's a writer, wrote a great script, which we did. So it's a little two-hander that you can have a look at. And then today I go down to start work on uh, the follow-up to that. Nice. It's called Swan Song. Yeah. Okay. We shoot that in November. But, awesome. but um, we're going down this weekend to, to shoot a trailer, a little trailer for it. Nice. That's really cool. Yeah. We're going to make sure that we have all of those, your Twitter, your um instagram everything linked in our description so that people can find you and find all of the other things that you've done so they can enjoy the work that you've put into all of these wonderful pieces thank you yeah. very much no absolutely and so we just want to re remind everybody who's watching that subscribing is the single most important thing you can do to help us get more amazing guests like jed brophy here today uh, who who is clearly distributing the greatest nerd knowledge of all time uh, and give you funny <laughs> moments uh, to listen to. So please subscribe. It's going to help more than you're ever going to know. And go check out 
uh, Jed's work, not just on The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, which, you know, clearly we don't care if you do, because that's really good stuff. And we're we're uh, thrilled that he was able to do that and, and share some of that nerd knowledge with us today. But go check out Blue Moon and some of the other stuff that he's got coming up uh, as well. And then also we wanted to remind you that if you're not happy with the content of our videos, all you have to do is submit in single form, of course, to Gandalf the Grey or white, because really it depends on when you're submitting before or after Labor Day. You know, there's that whole don't wear white thing. Either way, Gandalf will force the object of your complaint to fly on the firework dragons made for the Hobbit Festival. It'll be fun for somebody. Thanks again, Jed. You're welcome. Bye, everyone, you're and welcome. thanks for watching. Thank you very much, guys. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt crewman number 23. You'll know that when he puts on the red shirt and 16 minutes into the siege of Helm's Deep, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and his axe. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of Funny Science Fiction, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes, please contact us by means of our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at Funny Sci-Fi, or you can go to DraytonAllen.com and click the Contact Me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Copyright 2020 by Drayton Allen. Original music by Jordan Michaels. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned in this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of or by funny science fiction or its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at DraytonAllen at DraytonAllen.com.